When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome into the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I'm Lindsay Smith. I've got Saul Bookman, Gerald Borgay, and Espo here with me today. The whole squad. Say it with back some, from vacation. Say it with some passion, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, everybody. Like, oh, this is another ad read. Here you go. These guys are here. I'm, I'm not just... happy. Let's just live a life full of disappointment. The I'm whole just crew. In a chill mood right now. Like life is good. The Suns are on a 16 game win streak. Had a fun game coming up tomorrow. I'm just in a good spot. So, shall we talk about some things? Well, that would make for a more interesting show than yeah. not. Oh, so, yeah. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Gerald is here, by the way. He hasn't said anything, but Gerald is back from New Mexico. So, yeah, I got nothing on that one. I I'm really missing the green chili margaritas right about now. <laughs> I bet you didn't bring us home any leftovers, nothing did you? I, I brought home red and green chili, actually. What? Oh. I've never so, well, play your cards at? right, and we'll see. Oh. <laughs> Is that a threat or a promise? I, uh, yes. The, the threat of not having any green chili is a threat. I'm in. <laughs> well, Devin Booker was named Western Conference Player of the Week for Week 6, which congratulations to Devin. Well-deserved. Uh, His mm-hmm. numbers for the week are 30 points per game, 3.5 assists per game, 53% from the field, 56% from the three-point line, and 90% from the free-throw line. And, of course, the Suns went 4-0 and during that stretch. Thoughts? They got How it. did the national media do this to? Oh, oh wait, yeah, no, good one by. I'm yeah, glad he is. They got it right, which was nice. I mean, Steph Curry and LeBron both put up big numbers, but the Lakers were like two and one, and so I think the team record for Devin went his way, and I think they got it right this time. So hooray! I mean, he was he was he had a 50-50-90 week shooting wise, like he was insane, and we're starting to see the Devin Booker we've been missing for the first part of the season at well, least. Fifty six percent from three is huge. Yeah, for him too. Like that's. That's been, I, I feel like, the last part of his offense to kind of come to fruition, what everybody expected. Because when he came into the league, we heard, oh, he's, he's like a Steph, or not like a Clay Thompson. Like mm-hmm. that, that was the big thing when he was drafted. And all of a sudden, he becomes so much more than a three point shooter, but didn't ever reach the proficiency that people thought uh, from, from the three point line in games. I mean, obviously, he did it in three-point contest, but I feel like this is the next step. We're seeing him hit that on a consistent basis. Uh, and The sky's the limit for this dude, and it's good that the national media and uh, recognized him for this. I believe this is the fourth time he's been named Western Conference Player of the Week. So Yeah, he's shooting a career-high 41% from three on six attempts per game. So that's, like you were saying, the last piece of his game to fall into place as a scorer kind of what we've been waiting on and it's it's all coming into place now he just he just looks like he has that look you know like he looks like a top 10 nba player he looks like uh you know when, when, the way he carries himself the way he moves around the court the way he tries to take over games at certain points he has that kobe-esque look to his game now 
Um, and I think that's what's separating him from, from, you know, Devin Booker of even last year. You know, there was a certain part when you got to the playoffs where, oh, okay, there's that guy. You know, the Clippers in game one of the of the Western Conference Finals is the first thing that pops into my mind. But um, he's, he's learning how to be dominant, not just a pro, but dominant. And uh, once he figures that out completely, he's going to be a superstar. Hey, I mean, he's the equalizer. He's going to come stone-faced, come in there, and just take care of you. He's going to take care of business that way. And the the Kobe-esque, I think, gets overplayed with a lot of guys, but with Devin, it, it feels true. And I obviously, as a, as a Suns fan, I didn't have the greatest of respect for Kobe, but watching Devin do it and going, okay, I, I probably should have respected Kobe a little bit more because – this is damn cutthroat and fun to watch. So I finally kind of understand Lakers fans a little bit more. (laughs) I think one of the things that maybe to your point of just being like the Kobe thing is overdone. I think as fans, maybe that's where it feels like that. But one of my favorite things about Devin and his game and just his career overall is how pretty much at least from season two on the respect from players around the league has always been there. So it may not have been this glaring thing for everyone else. Like, oh yeah, this guy's got it. He's got that killer mentality. He's got that edge. But everybody in the league who ever played against him or knew of him knew that before the rest of the world knew it. And I think that that speaks a lot of yeah. vol- like volume. Well, you say second year. I mean, the B legendary moment was, was March of his first season. That's true. I mean, when Kobe pulled him aside after the game and, and wrote B legendary, Kobe saw something there year one. And I think a lot of other players did. They may not have verbalized it till, till year two, but they knew what was going on there with Devin Booker. And quite frankly, those in the building, you know, having witnessed it firsthand when he came in uh, that draft week and you saw him after he got selected, he was a different kind of breed. He just acted different than other 18 year olds that came into that organization, 18, 19 year olds. You could sense this guy had it. Mm-hmm. You weren't sure quite how far it would go. It would it would depend on you know that, but he had the it factor, the mentality, the way he carried himself. You just knew something was going on with this was guy. Was this before or after he threw you alley oops? This was before. <laughs> okay, okay. But that I'm sure after that he's that like, didn't hurt. doing that shit again. <laughs> that didn't hurt. He went, he went, Ed, I'm not I'm done with being nice to these uh weirdos. So around you're now. the no, I'm just no, kidding. That, <laughs> no, but I mean, but that was the thing. He had that, but he also knew how to how to treat people. And I think that's part of the it factor is you got that mentality, but you also when it was you know at, at certain times, you knew how to treat people right. So it felt, and it never felt disingenuous. And that's what continues to impress me with this guy is he's been driven. He carries himself that way. And what you saw at, at 18, 19 is, is what he's living up to now. All right. So because we're talking about Devin Booker, I have a question for you guys. We're going to do a little, what if, Mm -hmm. okay. If Devin had more stability early on in his career, how much better would he already be or would he or does it not matter when we're talking about stability what are we what are we're we talking about stability within the sun's organization so the fact that he had four head coaches in four years that you know between aside from just the head coaches the coaching staffs themselves changed so he had constant rotation of people around him people telling him how to 
like perfect his game, what ways to play his game, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, so maybe, mo- maybe. mostly from the coaching side of things, if he had had a stable space mm-hmm. in those first handful of years, do you think it would have made a difference th- to where he is now? I think you you also, you know, in mind, don't mind me if I, uh, you know, or don't hate me if I, if I kind of change this a little bit, but like, I think you, you have to throw James Jones into there. Uh, because there was also an influx of different GMs. Mm-hmm. I think was Babby here when 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 so Babby was president of basketball operations with Ryan McDonough. McDonough drafted okay. so drafted him. so you had those those two guys right and and I just feel like James Jones along with Monty combined have have built this organization to be stable because of the guys that they're bringing in the types of you know the types of demeanor and the types of character guys that they're bringing in so i think you kind of those two kind of go hand in hand and so with what you're asking i would say that if devin booker had monty williams the the entire time um i i would i would i would venture to say that he'd probably be on his fourth or fifth all-star game right about now just because i feel like he would have developed just a little bit quicker he would have he would have gotten into this mode right now where he's just so consistent with everything and he's not so rushed and he, he just feels like he's in total control. I think he would have gotten there just a little bit sooner because Monty would have told him like, listen, Dev, you don't need to force everything. Like it, it's going to come. I know you feel like you need to force stuff because you have a bunch of bums around you right now, <laughs> but we're working on that. It's okay. Mm. Like worry about your game and how you're developing. Don't worry so much about everything else and it'll take care of itself. I'm actually gonna, I'm going to take I'm going to play devil's advocate with this one because I feel like I think from a stability standpoint as far as if he had had Monty and if he had had James Jones and like even league average players around him, I think you're right. He would have made more All Star games. I think he would have been viewed league wide as like more of a winner earlier because even before last year, people didn't think that Devin Booker was a winning yeah. player. Yeah, they still saw him as a guy who puts up numbers on losing teams because that's what he did for the first four years of his career. But I do think that his particular path and how driven he was and how, you know, with each passing season, he kind of addressed one area of his game that the critics pointed out. You know, first it was he only he's not an efficient scorer. And then when he became an efficient scorer, it was, well, he only scores for himself. And then he became a playmaker and was basically their point guard for a whole season. And, you know, it's been one thing after another. He doesn't play defense. He's not on a winning team. He can't shoot threes. Like every single year, it's been one aspect of his game that he's addressed. And I think, unfortunately, kind of like playing in a vacuum without having teammates around him and having to force himself to be great and force those around him to be better. I think that kind of helped with his drive, helped with him as far as addressing certain elements of his game and improving on them, I think it was because he's always talking about, you know, iron sharpens iron and, um, you know, under pressure diamonds are made, that type of thing. And And cliche after cliche. Every sports cliche Devin Booker has, he's thrown it out there. But I think in his case that after being a winner throughout his basketball career and having to be on these miserable, awful losing teams, I think that added to his drive. I think it still would have been there if he had been drafted by a winning team like the Nuggets or the Spurs or whatever it might be. But I think because he had to suffer through those seasons, it kept him motivated. It kept him grounded. And now he's in a place where he can finally build on all of these things he's had to work on by himself for so long. I'm right there with you, Gerald. I feel like if he had been put in a situation where it was more stable or there's more winning, 
he may have been cast in that third option kind of guy, not given the chance to grow, may have been the, oh, he is the clay guy, so we're just going to spot him up, and if he has big nights because he hits a lot of threes, great. But I don't. I think given the opportunity to be the man, having to suffer through what he did, experiencing how bad it can be, how much hate you can get for dropping 70 in the garden, <laughs> even though you didn't you didn't force the ball to your coach decided to take fouls and do that kind of stuff and then the kind of hatred and hearing you're nothing but a you know a empty calories guy there was the line of looter in a riot some national media guy throughout yeah Mm -hmm. exactly i think without hearing these things he maybe does not develop into the guy that every offseason puts everything he has into it in getting better at that next thing there's very much a I'm going to show you mentality to it, which I don't know that he has if you if it's quote unquote a more stable situation. Well, I, I hold would, on real quick. Yeah. From the stable perspective, I'm not necessarily talking about winning. I'm talking about having a consistent voice who's helping you along from a coaching kind of perspective. Like he could have still come to the Suns, the exact same teams that he had, but had at least the same coach for three of those four seasons. Yeah, least. but if they have the Instead records. Instead of one other. But if they have the records they have, they don't have that. That no matter what, <laughs> I mean, no matter fair. what team it would have been on, like even Pop But this is also a that. what if. Sure, sure. I want to go back to, to, to their point about, about if it, the drive that he would have had, had he not had the, the adversity he's experienced in the first part of his, his career. Um, I, I want to say, I, w- I want to disagree with that because I feel like, Devin Booker has always had that, no matter what level. When he was at Kentucky and he was surrounded by a bunch of, you know, future NBA draft picks, he still had that drive to prove that he was one of the best in the country. You know what I mean? Like, he's always had that inside of him. And I don't think he would have lost that. I think you get, you know, it, let's just say, let's just say for for Devil's Advocate, right? If Let's just say he, was, he did get drafted by the Spurs. Like, I think in that organization, there's a standard that has to be met. And he's striving for that standard, just like Kobe and, and the Lakers were, you know, when, when he got to the Lakers, you know, the history of the Lakers, you know, like, Hey, there's a standard to be met, you know? And so I, I feel like it would have been a little bit different um, in sh- sure in terms of maybe his growth, but I don't think his drive and his determination would have changed at all. That's fair. I don't, uh, and, and maybe that was a misstep in terms of uh, what I was saying. I, I think he would have been the same beast in terms of, his mentality to wanting to get better. But I think he may have been typecast a little bit more in that situation. I don't think he becomes the leader he is now because he had to go through the school of hard knocks and that you learn a lot on how to be a leader, how in some cases you, you can only rely on yourself to get better. You can't turn to a coach. You can't turn here or there. I think he learned so many valuable lessons that may have expedited some of his growth and turned him into the scorer and uh, and the guy that we see now that I don't know if there was this constant shepherd, if we see that expedited growth that we do. It may have been more con- consistent in, you know, that it wasn't just one part of his game that grew because it seems like with Devin, it's one very specific sure. part of his game. Changes I, I, would, I would say this though like i don't know about you guys but I, my impression of devin booker and this is why i'm disagreeing is because 
I always have had this feeling from Devin that he he is looking at where he wants to end up down the road, like 15, 16 years down the road, what he's going to be viewed as in terms of his legacy. And when you're looking that far down the road, you understand that like maybe not everything here really means all that much in terms of wins and losses because you're you're striving for perfection every single night no matter what your team is doing. So that that's always the the perception I have of Devin. He always seems like he's he's above it. You know what I mean mm-hmm. to a degree like he's he's always to me he's always seemed like like I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be considered one of the best scorers of all time. Like this is the process I have to take to get there. And I don't know if that necessarily changes depending on on what environment he's really in. For Devin, I don't think it does because, I mean, I got there in year two. So I don't know what he was saying in year one. So you guys didn't work together? No. No, it was on purpose. Um, I I said not until I was gone. Fun fun fact, I actually wanted to hire Lindsay and, and didn't get the green light to, so. Wow. Just, you know, look at that. It didn't, timing didn't work out very well in our favor. But no, at least from my perspective, when I got to meet Devin, he had already started talking about his legacy in mm. year two. And it wasn't just his basketball legacy. I mean, he knew ahead of time, too, before that max contract that he wanted to incorporate some charitable giving within there. Now, that's not a surprise. It's not like it's something that's groundbreaking right like we knew that was coming but that's always been a part of who he is like he's i think he sees the bigger picture more than he focuses on the day-to-day almost or the day-to-day is driven by the bigger picture Mm -hmm. maybe is a better way to describe that yeah i just feel like leaders in general and all of us as people the path we go on is what in a lot of ways determines who we are mm-hmm. like and and That's those fair. experiences determine different elements of us sure. and if you change any one of those for booker i don't know exactly where you wind up mm-hmm. and i know that's like counterintuitive to what we're trying to to talk about well, no, here it, but it was just a, honestly this question sparked because over thanksgiving i was talking with a family member and he was pointing out how much better devin's gotten over the last few years and i was just like geez I wonder, would mm-hmm. he be further along if he had more stability yeah. when he was earlier on yeah. in his career? And it just was a question that I felt like I needed to ask you guys about. Well, and how much is Chris Paul? I mean, think about this. Who did Devin, Devin Booker, his rookie year, kind of got connected to the hip with Tyson Chandler, right? Because that was the one guy on that team that had won. Had won it with Team USA. Had won a championship with uh, with Dallas, I believe, had one defensive player of the year. This was a guy who had achieved great things, so Book wanted to learn there. But obviously, a lot of those rosters didn't have a guy like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know. And then Chris Paul comes in, and that becomes very much a mentor. Even though this is still Devin's team, it, it's a mentor. Uh, would he have been that willing later on to – want to learn from a guy like Chris Paul if he had had different guys along the way that were kind of leading him or was there a desire because for three, four years he was playing with a bunch of guys that probably should have topped out in the G league. And he didn't have that guy to to be sure. I feel like the desire would have been there regardless because I think it's a, it's a craving almost to continue to get better, to want to learn. But one, you bring up Tyson Chandler as somebody that he was tied to another person that Devin has been very outspoken about 
feel however you want to feel about this person, but is Earl Watson. Yeah. He, as recently as this past summer, has come out and said, I credit a lot of my drive, my success, my growth to Earl Watson because his rookie season, Earl was one of his player development coaches and, and they would go after hours to ASU, Devin, Davon, and Earl, yeah. and just work and put in all of that work. And Earl was in Devin's ear saying, listen, Put in the work like you are good at what you do. If you want to be great and you put in the work, you're going to get there. You need to have the confidence to do these things that you want to do. And then obviously when Earl took over as interim coach, he threw Devin to the fire essentially and said, go be great. Well, yeah. And I think that helped a lot. And Devin will tell you to this day that he agrees that Earl was a big part of that. Well, because Hornacek didn't play him. Right. I right. Mean, Hornacek that... didn't play him much. And then Earl Watson did throw him into the fire. And I think that <laughs> you could argue that either way. You could say you could look at how he wasn't getting minutes and how maybe in a more stable situation on a winning team, it would have been the same case where he had to work his way in and that motivated him. Or you could look at it and be like, Earl Watson was not the most stable of situations. So Devin Booker was driven to thrive in an environment where it wasn't stable. Um, I, I agree with you guys. I think the drive would have been there. I think that he also has said like there's a certain beauty in the struggle mm -hmm. that he's had to go through here. Um, and he said, you know, he, he wouldn't trade his path for anything. And I know that that's not really what we're arguing here. But I do think that, like Espo was saying, you are how you react to certain experiences, to certain events, to certain adversity. Um, I think it would have been a little bit different if he had had that stability. If it had been like someone like Monty and James Jones, he would, I mean, his growth would have been accelerated for sure. But, you know, if, if we're not arguing specifics like that, I, I really do think that he might not have been, he might not be the player that he is now or the leader that he is now more specifically without the struggle that he had to experience and without that necessity that like i have to carry this team of g-leaguers like yeah. i have to make everyone around me better and i have to make myself better summer by summer so that i can put phoenix basketball in a position where it's relevant again i feel like from a leadership perspective you guys are absolutely right because i have said this before i wouldn't categorize Devin as a natural born leader that was something he had to really work to figure out. Like, mm -hmm. what is my leadership style? Like, what kind of leader do I want to be? How do I do this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So had he not been put in that situation, I don't know if Devin would have ever developed any sort of leadership skills because he just didn't have to. Yeah, well, do you, I mean, remember the circus that was his rookie year? <laughs> this is Hornacek comes in. The more I totally disrespect him, uh, towel throwing, uh, berating him on the sideline they they throw mark or basically tell marcus or markeith to to go sit out at, at one point uh then hornacek has to fire all of his assistants outside of earl watson then he, he gets fired like everything was just a circus that rookie year and i'm betting that probably drove him to internally focus and go i have to I have to take charge of what I can do. Going out to those gyms with Earl Watson at ASU after, you know, late night was an internal choice, mm -hmm. right? Because there was so much chaos. Everyone was worried about their own livelihood. They weren't pushing him to go do that. He had to decide that he wanted to. And I think that had a big impact too, to just internally say, 
it's up to me. It's not up to this coach or that trainer or this guy. It's up to me to be the driving force. And I think that's a valuable lesson that you learn, even though there wasn't stability. Any other thoughts? I mean, Harry Potter had more (laughs) defense against the dark arts professors than anybody, just like Devin Booker had coaches. Harry Potter still became one of the greatest at what he does. Oh my God! That's if you're so going to be great, funny. you are driven to be great. Does that mean we have to call Devin Booker Harry Potter now? <laughs> no. <laughs> Two <laughs> great books. I wish oh, I, had, hey. I, I wish I had a potion so I could leave this room right now. <laughs> oh my God, that was hilarious. You, that, you right could now. put like a better bow on that conversation. <laughs> All right, let me take one second and tell all the football fans out there that, listen, I get it. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner when a single point's scored. So new customers who sign up using the code PHNX and bet just $1 on any team to score – they can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. The DraftKings Sportsbook app is America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. So if you haven't already downloaded that, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code PHNX. And after you place just a $1 bet on any NFL team to score a single point, and they do, you're going to win $100 in free bets instantly. It's that easy. It's definitely a no-brainer. I mean, NFL teams score more than Sean Kemp in the 90s and Will Chamberlain in the 70s combined. So, like, it, it's <laughs> going to be easy to get at least one point on the board. For Absolutely. Them. Do you have a... Hope you got that reference, 20-year-olds. Hey, <laughs> those guys scored a lot, not in their sport. That's the joke. Do you have a pick of the week for us, Espo? Uh, I do, and it has nothing to do with Sean Kemp or Will Chamberlain. It's uh, probably a good thing. We're going we're gonna to go with the first field goals, fellas. We're going to keep that crew going, and I'm going to pick... I've, I've been struggling with this, and, and we don't have odds yet. But for, for tomorrow, Tuesday's game against the Warriors, I think I'm going to go DA for first bucket. I think that's a solid and, choice. And I know I'm, I'm probably going to get crappy odds because the big man is usually a, an easier pick for first field goal, but I'm just feeling that that's where it's going to go tomorrow. Saul, you feeling so the same thing? Nope. Or what are you picking? <laughs> nope. I'm going with the J train all over so, again. Okay. Saul, I'm gonna ride Saul has not learned. I'm going to ride J until I win. You have not <laughs> You have not learned. I think I've won four out of like six games uh, over this streak, and you bet against me. So that's the that's the DraftKings pick of the week, though. I'm going to go with uh, DA, first field goal scored against the Warriors tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, in that uh, late game. I mean, Jay Crowder is not a bad option either. I felt like Devin Booker wouldn't be a bad option with that one either. But that's the fun part about this first field goals club is that you the, night in and night out, there's not a bad option, really. It's dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> really Fair. Is. But it's a lot of fun. So if you want to get in on that, be sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code PHNX when you sign up. That is 21 and older only, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. All right, guys, we've got the Warriors tomorrow coming into town. This This has been... One of the hottest topics on Suns and NBA Twitter, I feel like, over the last week, more so than anything. 
everyone's talking about it as if it's a playoff game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it feels like one. This is going to be a lot of fun. And I had this idea that what we're going to do here is we're going to play a game. Is it the Warriors or is it the Suns? I'm going to give you a stat. And you have to decide which team owns that stat. And then from there, we'll kind of use that to guide our conversation around how that might help in the Suns' favor or be something the Suns need to focus on in tomorrow's game. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Reminds me of an Adam Sandler skit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a reference that only you and yeah, I get. So. Yeah, I, was like, yeah. I don't get that that's one. A comedy right. album that I'm Adam not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Go ahead. Okay, so the first one might be a little bit easy, but we'll see. Who has the better three point percentage? Uh, working out. That's for Saul. <laughs> uh, uh, Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Warriors. The Warriors, Warriors is correct. The Suns are three are 0.362. The Warriors are 0.368. How big of a factor is three point shooting going to be tomorrow? Oh, huge. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> yeah. The Suns. Because if you let, you know, who go off, you're going to have a tough time to win that game. Look, I don't think you, you're going to put Mikhail on, on Steph, but. I don't think it's going to slow down as three point shooting no, it's necessarily. Not. It's not. It's not Steph that I worry about. It's the other guys on the roster getting going from deep that really puts you in a world of hurt with Golden State. So, but, but the thing with Steph is, and this is like that one dude who it doesn't even matter if he hits. He goes zero for nine. As soon as he hits that one, for whatever reason, it like sparks his team, mm-hmm. and this team feeds off of his energy. And that's what separates Steph from a lot of the other three-point shooters in the league is, is his threes are deflating. Like mm-hmm. they just it, – it doesn't – you could have four guys right around him and somehow, some way he finds a way to get the ball off and then you're like, well, damn, what the <laughs> hell else do we got to do with this dude? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just different. And so – And on the flip side, like you mentioned, it's like, damn, that was impressive. Let's go. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know yeah what exactly. I mean? Right. Monty actually mentioned that in – at practice today about how Steph is going to hit demoralizing threes from 40 feet. There's not a lot you can do about it. It's all about how you respond to it. And the guy, like he's taking 13 threes a game and he's hitting 42% of them, which is absurd. So he's going to get a lot of shots up. He's going to make a lot of them. It's going to be all about shooting six for 13. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's ridiculous. That's, that's like what teams shot as a team back (laughs) in the (laughs) nineties. Like, I think the Suns can't fall into the trap of falling in love with the three, though, just because Steph and the Warriors are doing it. Mm-hmm. They have to play their game. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's where you can get in trouble is if it's, oh, we got to go three for, th- you know, we got to go toe-to-toe on the three-pointers with these guys, and they abandon some of what makes them so good, the slashing, everything that they that they do. They still have to play Suns basketball, even if the Warriors are, are hitting – Crazy if, threes. If DA doesn't do what he needs to do down inside, the Suns are going to lose. Mm-hmm. Is is the way I feel about this game tomorrow. I just feel like DA has to have twenty tomorrow. Well, let's not get too ahead oh, okay. of ourselves. <laughs> Remember, sorry. we got more. I'm ruining questions. the game. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question: Who has the better field goal percentage? Suns. Suns. Yeah, Suns. I think they're number one and two, aren't they? Yep. Suns is point four eight one. Warriors is point four seven nine. No oh, right, right there. It's like, it's like half a shot difference <laughs> there. Yeah. It's very close, but still, mm-hmm. the Suns have that one. I think one of the the areas the Suns um, have a leg up on the Warriors is that mid range game. Yeah, because the mid range game for the Warriors is not their bread and butter. So if the Suns can force them into those type of shots, then maybe that'll be more beneficial. Yeah, they're the very Suns. much either at the rim or from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, their mid range game is 
not so effective. Now, when Clay comes back, that'll change a little bit because mm-hmm. Clay is a very good mid-range shooter, but for the most part, that's what the Warriors are. And it'll be interesting to see if the Suns are able to take advantage from the mid-range when they're on offense because the Warriors are a they are largely a small ball team. They do a lot of switching, and it is. We saw this in the playoffs a lot last year. It's harder for Devin Booker and Chris Paul. They can target mismatches, but it is harder for you to get to your mid-range shot when you don't have a big on you that you're taking advantage of that kind of mismatch. And to Saul's point, I think that's where DeAndre Ayton is going to have to become key and and that efficient and effective shot closer to the rim, which we saw him thrive on in the playoffs in particular. They're going to need that uh, against the Warriors for sure. But, I mean, first two stats, you just see how evenly matched these two teams really are Mm -hmm. and the kind of slugfest we may be in for. Uh, on Tuesday night, which is exciting because is there anything more you could ask for TNT game? So you got the eyes of the nation mm. on you. It's the for the best record the in the West. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's for the best in the West. It's to tie the record, all time record for Suns victories. Like it's my birthday. Like there's everything you could ever want <laughs> oh my God, on one night. Tomorrow. The only thing yeah. I would ask for on top of that would be a 7 p.m. start instead of Yeah, I was just going to say that. You can't always get what you want. Facts. Okay. Which team allows fewer points in the paint? Mm. Feels like a trick based on your face, but I'm going to go with the Suns. I'm going to say Suns too. Warriors. It's the Warriors. Warriors are number one in the league with 39.6 opponent points in the paint per game compared to the Suns, who are number two in the league with 43.1 <laughs> opponent points in the paint per game. Can wow. I can I change my pick of the week? <laughs> Wish I had known that before I stuck my neck out. Right. Thanks, Lind. Well, well hey, at least it was before you actually that's why made I Jay the Crowder. Pass, so. And that's that's kind of why D.A. and JaVale McGee are going to be so big in this game. And it's something Monty talked about at practice is that this is a small ball team. The Suns have two, you know, legitimate seven footers at center. They need to be able to punish them with size. Surprisingly, the Warriors, despite being this small ball team, are the best team in the league when it comes to opponent points in the paint. They're the best in the league when it comes to percentage of opponent attempts taken around the rim in general. They're just very good at keeping opponents out of the paint, out of easy shots. So it's going to be key for the Suns to punish that size mismatch when it happens. Is it the Warriors' defense, or is it that teams just fall in love with with letting it fly against the Warriors? Because it feels like their style of play is contagious when you start going up against a team like that, and you feel the pressure like, mm-hmm. oh, they're they're starting to hit all these threes. You know, I, I, threes I, more more than two. I see what you're saying, but again, this is the reason why you have Chris Paul and, and, and Devin Booker. Like, they just they they're gonna play their own program. Like, I understand what you're yeah, saying. I'm not saying the Suns. Sure, sure, yeah. You no, know, you're right. I think some some you know like when they play the Timberwolves, I could see a team like that wanting to just chuck it up and try to match you face for face, but. Um, like the more experienced teams just don't fall into that trap. They understand what their bread and butter is. The, like LeBron and the Cavs, when they won the championship, they weren't chucking threes like at a crazy rate like the Warriors were. They were trying to pound the ball down inside because that that's where they knew they had the mismatch. And then you had that one dude, you know, Kyrie, that basically saved LeBron's sorry ass. Oh, did X- I say that out loud? Sorry. Ex-NBA Ooh. player Kyrie. Yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah. The artist Flat. formerly known as Flat Kyrie. R.I.P. Kyrie. Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't say it. <laughs> All right. Which team has the best 
point differential in, no, wait, I'm sorry. I don't want to do this one yet. Which team has a better defensive rating? Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Suns. Warriors, based on the stats. Warriors. Warriors. Warriors are number one in the league at (laughs) 99.4. The Suns are number three in the league at 103.7. It's great. This Suns team is a great defensive team. That's Mm -hmm. so bizarre. Still, I know last year that was the case too, but it is still so foreign to think that that's a big part (laughs) of how they're winning. Because when you look back, those other win streaks weren't because of defense. You go back on NBA.com and the earliest year, I think it has this kind of tracking data is like 2001 or something like that. The Suns were no higher than like 15th. I think that's where they topped out before these last two seasons under Monty where they're actually like in the top five or top six for defensive rating. So the Warriors are a damn good defense. Like if you look at the defensive ratings, I think they're 99 point something. Um, 99.4. The next closest team is like 101, 102. So they're they're miles better than the next defensive team. I think part of it is the, uh, the officiating this year has allowed a little bit more hand checking, a little bit more contact that favors a team like the Warriors, especially – with an experienced defender like Draymond who knows how to take advantage of that. But it's going to be interesting to see how two elite defenses match up with each other, especially because they're both two great offenses as well. All right. Who commits more turnovers? Warriors. I would guess Warriors. Oh, I'll say Warriors. <laughs> Good job. It is the Warriors. Uh, Tired of losing. 16.1 <laughs> for the Warriors. The Suns are at 13 and a half. That's the Chris Paul effect. I mm-hmm. mean, he, even though sometimes it feels like he throws it away a lot, it's because he spoils us with zero <laughs> turnover games at times with double dis- digit assists. He takes care of the ball and it's infectious. Yeah. When he turns it over, it feels like it's three turnovers yeah. at yeah. once. So you notice it because he rarely does it. Mm-hmm. All right. Last one I got for you guys. In case it comes down to the wire, which mm-hmm. it very may well, mm-hmm. which team has the best point differential in crunch time minutes? Oh, in crunch time minutes, in Suns. Time minutes. Ooh, Suns. Suns. That's right. It is the Suns. They've <laughs> outscored their opponents by 36 points in 28 clutch minutes compared to the Warriors, who have outscored their opponents by six points in 26 clutch minutes. What's what's the uh I assume the Warriors have a higher win differential. No. Point differential? No. So the uh so whether you're doing point differential by like total points in total minutes or just normal point differential, the Suns have the higher mark. Um and they do have the better record in, in the Suns clutch. have a, a higher win margin. Yeah. So the Suns, oh. I think, were eight and one in games that involve crunch time minutes, and the Warriors are six and two. So it's pretty close, but no, Suns no, no, have no. a better I'm talking about overall like, point I'm talking about overall point differential. Oh, overall like, point differential Warriors have a much higher. Yeah, one. okay. I was yeah. like, really? Which means that it, it's less clutch minutes because yeah, there's been more blowouts. Exactly. Right. But still, Devin Booker, uh, I believe, is still uh, the best in clutch scoring in the league. At least he was at the end of last week. I haven't looked at it since then. But look, if this comes down to the wire, you've got two heavyweights in terms of these two teams. But as the the great and wise Saul Bookman says, <laughs> when you got CP3 and you got Devin Booker, that's why you have those guys. Don't worry. Even if it's close, they know how to close it out. And and that's probably the differential here. Look, I know Steph's great. I know he's very much like that. But you got two guys that are going to take care of it on the Sun side. And that's what 
uh, why I think they're so good in, in those clutch minutes. Yeah. And, and by the way, for anyone listening who doesn't know what crunch time or clutch minutes refers to, it's when the score is within five points within the last five minutes of a game. Um, so basically any close game down to the wire, the Suns have performed really well outscoring opponents by 36 points in their 28 minutes of clutch minutes. That's that's really good, and it's the best mark in the league. I, I just I, Tomorrow or on Tuesday, the only thing I want if it's a close game is you just let anybody, anybody <laughs> beat you besides Steph. Mm-hmm. I, if, if Steph comes across half court and chucks one from one foot inside the line – as a game winner, I'm I'm just gonna cry all night long. I'd rather you foul him and make him make the free throws than than get the shot off. Ninety eight percent. I don't shooters. care. I'd rather that than get beat by a forty foot chuck oh, that, that you know he's gonna make. Like that forty foot the... chuck is just like it's just like a dagger. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just sucks the whole soul out of the city. Mm-hmm. It's the lesser of two evils to do it at the, yeah. the free yeah. throw yeah. line. For He'd sure. rather drown. I'd rather you just put a bullet in my head. <laughs> I I want the false sense of hope. I, yeah, like, you know, oh, I might be able to swim out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, look, I, I'd rather at least kind of feel like there's a chance and just know my fate's inevitable, all right? You just want to drag it out. Exactly. Slow down. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, thank you for playing my game. That was all that I had for you. Before we head out, um, there was a fun story shared at practice <clears throat> today about Draymond and Devin and Gerald, since you were there, I feel like you should tell us that story because I think um, everyone deserves to hear about it. Yeah, so the question was asked about Devin Booker's connection with Draymond, and he mentioned, you know, they obviously have that Michigan connection, and Devin brought up how Draymond used to send him, like, NBA socks back in the day, like the official NBA-issued ones that Devin would, you know, wear for his high school games. He would wear them, and he and Draymond kind of developed their friendship that way. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. He was talking about how like the quality of the NBA socks used to be a lot better back then. <laughs> I don't know. He said he didn't know what they were made of back then, but he liked them better then. Um, but he would always wear them for his games. And he really appreciated that, um, you know, gesture from Draymond. Cause like he was saying, he was like, hell yeah, these are NBA socks. I wore them all the time. Like, yeah. He was saying that he was like, felt real cool. Cause he had NBA socks in high school. And nobody <laughs> else did. I thought that was hilarious. Two things. Anybody else gifts you socks. You're like, what the hell is wrong with this person? Why did they give me socks? Mm. Devin's like, oh, cool, NBA socks. I mean, NBA official oh, okay. socks, though, are pretty neat. They are pretty neat. But I think my guess is the socks are still at the same standard. Devin Booker's standards have yeah. ever been <laughs> raised since high school. I'm betting he's bought some fancier socks than he used to rock back at Moss Point. That's just my guess. It's entirely possible. Also, I like that, like, Devin Booker, like, if I was in high school and someone gave me socks, like you were saying, I wouldn't be appreciative. But that just shows how mature Devin Booker was from day one. <laughs> he's what, like, I'm 30 now. If somebody gave me socks, I'd be like, awesome socks. <laughs> Devin's already there. you usually don't hit that awesome sock no. until at least 25. I'm 30 years old, and he was doing this back in high school school so mature all the way i don't know i think if (laughs) nba star fill in the blank sent me socks when i was in high school i probably would have been like oh this is cool yeah that's fair that's fair i mean it's basically you get to flex on all of your teammates and friends like because i'm 42 and if one of these guys sent me socks i'd be like Go fuck yourself. Like <laughs> I know what kind of I know what is present Christ- is this? What is Christmas and wedding oh gift gosh. is? Socks for days. Oh man. 
I feel like when you become an adult, you appreciate. I'm like, well, I'm gifts. also a very picky person. Mm. Really? So like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not for people buying me clothes. Like, oh. I buy my own shit. I okay. will say, as far as socks go, like, get me socks I can actually wear, like those fuzzy ones around the house. Like, I don't want those. But if you get me good, like, no show socks or some nice crew socks, like, I will rock those. Like for stance, sure. yeah. I'll take some stance socks yeah, for I, sure. I have hit peak old guy, right? Uh, my daughter gave me my birthday gift yesterday, and it was a pair of shoes. And I'm like, "This is the greatest <laughs> gift ever!" No, no, no. What kind of shoes are they? Uh, they were. I'll I'll bring them in. They're orange shoes. I'll wear them tomorrow for the game. But they're like, uh, they're actually like skate shoes. Like, okay. But they're like real comfortable. They're orange, so they match most of the most of the outfit. And she like she's five, and she had all the symbolism for. For the logo on it, I'm like, all right, kid, you won me over. I'm Aww. this is the greatest gift. It's shoes. Like, what is wrong with what has happened? I used to be like, if it ain't Best Buy, it ain't good. And now I'm like, sneakers, wow, Michelin soles. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, buy you some new like, balance for Christmas. Sneakers is a, is a good is a good gift. Yeah. Like that, like that in itself is a good gift. But like when you start breaking it down, like hey, that makes sense. I mean, shoes. Shoes can't be slept on. Like that's not a bad gift. Socks no. are a terrible gift. Like that's just an awful gift. Don't hey, buy socks that? and underwear every fucking year. Well, my entire life, I would get socks and underwear from my parents, and I'm like, listen, listen this here. This is a necessity. Listen, this is like, not a gift. Yeah. You should right? be buying like, why are you anyways. wrapping this? I asked for socks like three weeks ago because I had holes in my other one. You assholes, and you waited for Christmas to this give is it to what me. You do because you're a parent. Jerk. Oh, these are provisions, Jerks. not gifts. Right? <laughs> it's like here's a bottle of water, man. Merry Christmas. You know I mean? like, Screw you. Oh, by I'm the way, in your stocking, we put your inhaler. Yeah. Congrats <laughs> on your asthma. We refilled that shit. Like, are you serious? Like, Jesus. Your diabetes medications <laughs> under the tree, too. <laughs> right? I got some more needles uh, for you. Oh, my God. Got your loaf of bread. You mean uh, groceries? <laughs> Low-key, though, the video of little kids getting, like, an avocado wrap for christmas and they're like oh my god i love it is the cutest have thing you seen ever. the english kids that got a banana and orange I and mean... then the kid like unwraps it and he's like a banana <laughs> so, so i got a banana for so, christmas so what we're saying is we're just major assholes <laughs> yeah. because we weren't appreciative of of the kind of things we got yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> more or less all right well if you would like to give better christmas gifts and you are listening to this on monday november 29th there are major deals happening in the phnx locker up to 50 percent off so if you're listening to this today be sure to head over there real quick if you haven't already to pick that up and check it out and deal ends at midnight if you're listening to this on tuesday you're shit out of luck we're sorry (laughs) sorry Um, don't email me asking for a discount (laughs) (laughs) but yeah phnxlocker.com to check out all of the deals we have going over there and if you're not a member and you become a member at gophnx.com in addition to your membership, you'll also get a $60 gift card that you can use in the locker. So mm-hmm. you basically get your money back from the membership in gift cards to the locker. Plus you add it on up to 50% off in there. Like you can get hooked up legit or hook somebody else up yep. legit with this deal. So take advantage of if, it. If if you do listen on Tuesday and you want something, you know, because you're not getting anything, email Jacob at gophnx.com. That's Jacob. Jacob at gophnx.com. He's sitting off mic and just gave me a really dirty look, which I think was exactly the point of doing that. So make sure to flood his inbox on Tuesday.
Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we will see you tomorrow on Tuesday, the 30th, as the Suns take on the Warriors. Pre-game will be at 7.30 on our YouTube page, so come hang out with us. And then, of course, after the game, we'll be back on our YouTube page as well. And a quick reminder, big drop involving Lindsay on tomorrow's pre- and oh post-game show. This is the greatest thing since sliced bread, I promise you people. You guys people. are going to be so disappointed. No, you're not. I promise you. Gerald, are people going to be disappointed? Not at all. See, there's may- three out of four of us, and the one <laughs> that is involved in this does not think it's going to we- track. There's a reason for this, ladies and gentlemen. You have to tune in. <laughs> there may be multiple contests because, uh, to, yes. to win something as yeah. well. We'll leave it at that, but we, tune I, in. Actually, right? you know, there's another. There's Oh, my God. We, you know what? Espo, you did the whole puck thing. I have an idea All right. moving forward that I'm not going to give away until tomorrow. But we'll discuss it Lord after. But oh, this is worth it. If you only tune in for one episode the rest of 2021, yes. Yes. it's this one. For and it has sure. nothing to do with the Suns-Warriors matchup. You guys are going to lo- They're going to be so disappointed. No, they're not. I'm telling you, they're not. They're going to love this. The internet, right. the Cove crazies are going to go another level of crazy. <laughs> we'll find out tomorrow. Thank you again for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Saul on Twitter at Saul underscore Bookman. Espo the underscore there is there for. For the anticipation that's building <laughs> oh about what we're revealing tomorrow. You can follow Gerald on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo on Twitter at Espo. Espo, take us home. Hold on. The Gerald is there because it's his first name. <laughs> Ahoy, hoy, everybody. <laughs>